2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had stated, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. The word of the Lord. Some things you don't expect to, uh, to hear said. Right at this season, you don't expect to hear someone say, you know, that incumbent candidate does not mention his accomplishments enough. I wish, I wish they would talk more about what they've done for us. You don't hear people in uh, the DC sports scene saying, you know, we just win too many titles in this town. We need to give other teams a chance. You don't, you don't hear that said. You don't hear movie studios saying, you know, this big budget sequel is not going to be as spectacular, as good as the one before it, but please come anyway because it'll be okay. You don't never hear that, right? And another thing you rarely hear said is someone says, you know, our minister, he does not talk about money enough. Our minister does not do that. And yet, you would be wrong because I've been told that I don't talk about money enough it's ironic, isn't it? You know, I'm like, you know, I'm like, wow. Well, you know, my my policy, my uh, practice is to go through books of scripture, and I love talking about. I love money, to give it and to get it and to see God use it. It's important, but I try to do it faithfully as it comes up in the scripture. And so, if you've missed those Sundays when I've talked about it. Never fear. First Corinthians 8 and 9 are here. We will be, Paul goes in for two chapters talking about money. And he talks about it. It's not really talking about tithing. It's not really talking about, although it, it plays into that, it's not really talking about budgets, though it plays into that, obviously. It's talking about radical generosity. 
And he's talking, remember that this book of 2 Corinthians is talking about how this church has repented of turning away from Paul and turning away from the gospel, and he has received word that they have turned back to the Lord, and they've turned back to the pure message of the gospel that Paul had given them. And he's thrilled about this, and he's still challenging them because there are still some people in Corinth. Paul is not there. He's writing from another spot, and he is telling uh, them not to listen to those who are undermining him and questioning his legitimacy as an apostle. That's where we've been going and the lessons we've been learning through this book. And now it, it sort of seems like he, he shifts gears, but it all plays in. It's all part of the story. He's talking to this repentant church, and, and he sort of says, look, if you're going to demonstrate that you've really heard me, that you really are are back on board, sold out for the gospel. It says, here's something practical you can do. Reminds me there's a, the, in the uh, play or the uh, movie My Fair Lady, Eliza Doolittle says, words, 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 I'm so sick of words, I get words all day through, first from him, now from you, is that all you blighters can do? Don't talk of stars burning above, if you're in love, show me. Gosh, I'll need to watch that movie. That's a great movie. Anyway, if you're in love, it says, show me, right? Paul says, if you're in love with Jesus, show me. And they say, if, if they were there, I'm sure the Corinthians said, okay, how? So Paul says, well, let me tell you what another church did. And that's where we pick up in chapter 8. I want you to know, brothers, chapter 1, I mean, a verse 1 of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. I want you to know, brothers, church, about the grace of God that's been given among some other churches, the ones in Macedonia. These are churches in the north where Turkey is now. They're, they're more rural. They're poor churches. Remember, Corinth was a wealthy city, the second largest city uh, in that region at the time. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy... And their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So let's, let's look at, again at verse 2. Severe test of affliction. We don't know exactly what was going on, but it was hard times. How many of you all know what hard times are like, right? Hard times are with us. They experienced it. And then he says, their abundance of joy. Now that usually isn't linked with hard times. But something had happened in the churches in Macedonia that even in severe affliction, they were able to have an extreme abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. So it wasn't like the, the transformation of their economic circumstances somehow were the result of God's intervention, but somehow God had worked in their lives so that affliction... Extreme joy, abundance of joy, and extreme poverty all came together, and out of what it says, overflowed a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means. Now, how much were their means? We have no idea, but maybe not a lot. Then it says, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, that is, they weren't compelled and look at this, is incredible, verse 4. They begged us earnestly for the favor 
of taking part in the relief of the saints. So in the church in Jerusalem, something was happening that that church, the, the mother church as it were, in Jerusalem was suffering terribly. Now there's conjecture what was happening. Could have been persecution, could have been a famine, could have been disease, we don't know. But Paul had been going around to churches collecting for these saints. And look who he's collecting from. He's collecting from really poor churches. And then he goes on, and we're going to skip ahead just a, a few verses, because he says um, in verse... 10, in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, because a year ago you started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So what it looks like is the church there in Corinth had begun to collect for this suffering church in Jerusalem, but they had gotten off track and waylaid in, in contributing to that. Why? Because of all the fighting that had been happening, the undermining of the gospel in Paul's ministry. So first point to look at is if we get off track, one of the things we can look at is what God has called you to do, he wants you to try to work toward and complete it, but we tend to get off the mark and begin to get sidetracked when other things get in our way. So Paul is encouraging this church in Corinth to continue on with what they had been called to do, just like these poorer churches in Macedonia had done. So let's look um, at verse 8. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. If you're in love, show me. How do we know our love is genuine? And one of the ways, this isn't the only way, but one of the ways, he says, is that out of our abundant overflow, we should be looking to give, especially to those in need, to those God calls us to give to. Verse 11, now finish doing this as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it. Any, any of y'all are the king of unfinished projects, right? It's a very practical piece of advice that your readiness in desiring to complete it may be matched by your actually completing it. The Lord wants us, when, when you feel compelled and moved to give at some level, it's great when we actually do it, isn't it? It's great to feel moved to do it, but he's saying, Corinthians, do this thing. Verse 12, for if the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So what are some of the things we learn here? We learn that this giving is proportional, that not everybody gives the same amount. We learn that this giving isn't a means of God's favor. In verse 9, he says that, he talks about what Jesus gave to us, that we know the grace of Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. We don't get God's favor by giving. We respond to God's favor by giving. And finally, in verse 3, we learn that there's going to be sacrifice involved, that 
if we give only out of what we don't need, it's unlike what the Macedonian church did. Remember in verse 3, they gave according to their means and beyond their means. So that means they did without at some level because of that giving. One of the things I want us to see in this, and then we'll look at some applications for us, is that this church, the Corinthian church, was a Gentile church. Essentially, not there are no Jews in it, but Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. Jerusalem church was essentially a Jewish church. If you know anything about first century church politics, Christian church politics, the Jews and Gentiles, there was, there was difficulty. And so don't miss the fact that Paul is calling on Gentile churches to give to Jewish churches. That he's calling on them to demonstrate the gospel as a way to say that we're, we're one. Now, the implications for this for us, you know, we can talk about how each of us is called to give according to our means to the Lord, and you, we give in a variety of ways. We give to local churches. We give to other needs. As we embark on a facility, while we, at some point the leadership will be asking people who are part of this body to help with that project. But this isn't talking about either of those two things. This is talking about overflow generosity because you know what Jesus has done for you and that you are willing to sacrifice. And this, my friends, is incredibly countercultural, isn't it? In a, in a nation and in a country and in a culture where extra money that comes to us, of course, our, my first thought, if it's like yours, is, oh, cool, I can get that thing I wanted. And in and of itself, it's not, that's not sin. It's not sin to buy something for yourself. It isn't. But let's, let's open up to the possibility, and I don't know if it's a dime or a dollar or a thousand dollars or a ten thousand dollars or Lord bless us with whatever. But could our thought be, God, you've blessed me with overflow. Is there someone that I could bless, particularly someone who wouldn't be able to return anything to me, that it wouldn't be any favor that I would get from this? A couple of weeks ago, I received some some money anonymously. Just said, basically, it was the situation was I, I just I, I I I here's some money. If you need it, use it, and, and we praise God we don't need it. But if if there's any need that you find, just it's it's yours to give away. So I kind of tucked it in a drawer and thought, well, thank the Lord, that's really great. And a few days ago, I was talking to someone that I know whose family lives in another country that's suffering tremendous economic hardship. I just asked about their family. I periodically do that. And the story shared about the economic devastation that their family's going through is pretty um, heartbreaking. And and flash, I mean, Lord, here... Somebody said, the, the, you know, the need. I mean, here I am, just a conduit. It wasn't me. And I was able to give to a portion of that need. And as she said, really? I said, yeah. It's just from, it's not from me. It's not, don't say it's from me. Don't say it's from our church. 
Don't say it's, just say it's from God. And as the tears came down her face, she said, you know, my family are Christian, they, but they've, they've struggled to say, God, where are you in this? They haven't lost their faith in God, but this will mean more than you know. As a church, we need money. There's no doubt. That's part of the way a church operates. To build a building, we need money. That's how it gets done. But would it not be a blessing for us to be like the church in Macedonia, the church in Corinth, and to bless other believers or others who couldn't pay us back? And so, as we look over this, we'll be spending some time looking at Paul's encouragements in these next two chapters. And I want to challenge us on a couple levels. Individually, that I, I want us to look for opportunities. And you may think, well, gosh, I only, you know, I only get a dollar for my allowance. That's all Nancy and I get. Well, you don't know what a small amount can do for someone in need. Would you, are you, would you be open to the possibility of sacrificing at some level something, and you may think, well, I'm pretty, I'm not that well off. Then you're a church in Macedonia, and Paul's commendation that lives through the ages is that you have pleased the heart of God. And you say, well, we're, we're doing okay. Maybe you're a church in Corinth. And you can say, you know what? Out of our abundance of overflow, because we know how much Jesus loves us, we're going to look for an opportunity to give, and I don't know where the opportunities will be. As a church, could we take the opportunity maybe to bless another church that couldn't bless us back? Would it not be cool to be able to, to send a check to a church that, need, that, is in, that needs help? And I know we need money. I, you, know, I, you say, well, where's it all going to come from? From God? Because here's the problem. If you think the money came from you to begin with, we've missed the picture. Look at the last verse in this passage in verse 15. As we close in this, here's what he says in this radical generosity passage. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. What is Paul referring to there? It's the manna, isn't it? This is... He's referring, it's a quote from when they collected manna, this bread that appeared to the Israelites every day when they were where? In the desert, in the wilderness, when they had nothing and they had no way to get anything. Maybe in your life you feel like, I got, I got nothing. I got no emotional reserves left. I don't have much money. I got nothing. And Jesus taught us to pray this. Give me today my daily bread. You know that what well, that's a reference to, right? That's manna. Daily bread. You should always read the Lord's Prayer differently if you didn't think that way now. That's a manna reference. And so if you're here this morning and you think, I feel so empty, I am so hungry for something meaningful, maybe you're physically okay, maybe not. Maybe you're mentally okay, maybe not. Maybe... You're in depression and anxiety, maybe financially, or, or you're just so nervous about the future. You need daily bread. You need to know that the God who provided manna then will provide for you if you'll look for it.
and there will be no lack. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over. So if you're a gatherer, I'm a hunter-gatherer. I like to be sent on tasks and gather things. And I gather a lot. And there's nothing left over because all that I can gather, God gives. God will give you opportunities to give. Whatever it is. This may not even be money. I don't know what it's going to be. But if you just have the ability to scoop up a little bit, and maybe a little bread for you, I'll bet there'll be a little left over. And that the blessing of sharing what you have will go far beyond what you can imagine. Paul makes reference to this man. It's a daily collection. Remember, daily collection, except the Sabbath, they collected each day just what they needed, and then it rotted. The blessing of God for you is a daily blessing. Don't think you can come on Sunday or gather it at a weekly thing. It's daily gathering the strength. New Tori referred to it. New mercy every morning. It's according to need. Some families gathered a lot. Some gathered a little. But it was completely from God. Nobody had a manna recipe to, you know, create it in the wilderness. It was a gift from God each morning that was like the dew on the ground. We have a generous God. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men with great generosity. All people with great generosity, and it will be given to you. I'd love to pray. I want us, many of you are already, but I want us to be a generous people because we serve a generous God. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank You for Your Word that brings us to sometimes uncomfortable places. And Lord, as over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at Your encouragement to be givers, to be cheerful, to be faithful. Lord, that You're going to, I know, put a finger on our hearts because often there's this quick link between our resources and our hearts. But that You change everything and You call us to open up to live a dependent life, not an independent life. And You want us to live dependent upon You. Lord, so give us today our daily bread. Father, and teach us to, to give even out of our lack, Lord, proportionately that out of our overflow of thankfulness to You who became poor so that we might become rich. Lord, whatever riches we have, whether it's in money, whether it's in the joy of the Lord that comes even in spite of great affliction and poverty, Lord, whether it's simply our time so valuable to us that we would give freely. Lord, whatever You are calling us to give, let us become a generous people, particularly to those, Lord, who we might be, uh, be at odds with. Culturally, we're, to, we're a country where we're, we're very divided in so many ways. 
And um, as we want, we as the church want to reflect you, bringing people together around the cross rather than separating people. 